theyeshiva.net. The first column, page 25. Just a few words about this Maimer. This Maimer was said by the Baal, by the Baal Hatanya, the Rav, the Baal Hatanya, on Pesach of the year Tovkuf Ayin, which was 1810. And the circumstances were interesting. He was actually in the city of Bardichev. What brought him to Bardichev was he didn't live in Bardichev. He lived in a place called Liadi, which is Belarus or Russia. It's close to the border. Bardichev is the Ukraine. What brought him Pesach to Bardichev was, Rebbe Yitzchak of Bardichev was one of his closest friends. They were mamish very, very close, really close, really close. And uh, the Bardichev passed away that year. Bardichev passed away, I think. Anybody knows the Bardichev's yard site? The Chesidosh Yidni don't know the Bardichev's yard site. You only know the Noyam Ali Malach, huh? Levitzik of Badichev's yard site, I believe, is Chaf Tishrei, if I'm not mistaken. Around that time. Right after Chalamayit Sukkos. Huh? Right, right after Sukkos. I think Chaf Tishrei, around then. Tovkov Ayin, 1809. The Baal Hatanya could not come for Nicham Avelim. Maybe he actually found out later, I don't know. So a few months later, close to Purim time, in the winter, he decided to travel to Badichev to be Menachem Avul Dalmona, the widow of the Badichev. And uh, he went to Badichev, he went to visit Reb Nachman of Breslov, he went to visit Reb Nachman, he went to visit Reb Baruchel of Mezhebuz, he went to visit a lot of the other Rebbes. It was a very interesting uh, uh, tour of the Ukraine. Ukraine. When he went to uh, the Almona to visit her, this Badichev's wife and the children, so she said to him that she doesn't know she's going to be able to do Pesach without her husband, without the Badichever. The Balatanya said he'll stay Pesach with her. So he did Pesach in her place with his, uh, with his whoever came with him. There was an entourage that came with him. And um, um, he brought actually with him, he brought I think wheat. He told somebody to go to look in the suitcase, only he had wheat or flour that he brought with him to bake matzah and some other stuff that he brought, a becher or whatever. And he said that he imagined that she would ask him and therefore he prepared to come for Pesach. So this Maimer, Sheisha Selman was said, and by ditch of Pes- that Pesach, Tovkuf, Tovkuf Ayin, 1810. Okay. So let's, uh, let's, uh, let's begin. He begins with the Pesach, he begins with the Pasuk, Sheishis Yomim. Parshis Re'ei. Sheishis Yomim Teichel Matzah, Subayoy Mashvi, Yatzeres, Lashem, Alekech, V'goymer. Pasuk says in Parshis Re'ei, you should eat matzah for six days, and on the seventh day, what we call Shvi Yishal Pesach, is Atzeres, Lashem, Alekech. What's Pshat, Atzeres, Lashem, Alekech? Literally, Atzeres means it's a day of, like we learned yesterday, Atzer, stop, it's a day that you stop from work. That's Shri Yishal Pesach. Tzarech lohavin, one has to understand. Oymro yizbarech. Why Hashem says in the Torah, it's an interesting expression. Oymro yizbarech, sheishis yamam toichel matzas. Va'aloy le'el minei amar, shivas yamam toichel of matzas. In Parshish Re'i, just a few psukim earlier, he says, 
Shivas Yom Teichel Lav Matzis. And here it suddenly becomes Sheishis Yomim Teichel Matzis. You should eat six days. When it says Shivas Yom. So why does the Torah change? The Pshat is Salpi Pshat. There's Biurim. There's Rashi discusses it. The Gemara discusses it. Msachim. Sugim Sachim. And Arab Sachim. Lav Kof Chof. There's discussions. Here he's going to explain it on a deeper level. Here it's not trying to tell us the azhara that you have to eat matzah, which is actually seven days. His main point here is not so much to tell you that you have to eat matzah for seven days and not chametz, but he wants to tell you about the seventh day that it's atzeres. That's why in, in Parshas Boy, where the Torah is just telling you to eat matzah, not to eat chametz, the Ritaka says, Shivas Yamam. Shivas Yamam, you should eat matzah. Here in the beginning of Parshas today, earlier also. In this Pasuk, his main point is, Hatzeres Lashem Alekecha. Why does the beginning of the Pasuk speak about eating matzah? The whole point is just to say that the seventh day is Yamtif. So just start off, by Mashvi, what do you have to say? Sheshes Yamam. Because mashmos hakasuvush da idezin sheshes yomim yitoichol matzos idezin yachrech beyamashvi yatzedes. To have the seventh day yatzedes, you first need the sheshes yomim. Ulahavin ma'awinyan hashaychus dachilus matzos sheshes yomim lisa idezin beyamashvi yatzedes. But then that brings us to the question: What's the connection? For oid another issue is another problem. As the balatanya dehine bayoy inyan beyamashvi yatzedes tashem alakecha aynu lefisha bishvi shal pesach chayanes the kriyas yamsef. We celebrate the seventh day of Pesach, Kriyas Yamsuf. The Gemara says that Pesach Mitzrayim, the Isr Chomet, was only one day, the first day, Tasvav Nisan. Today it's all seven or eight days in Chutzlot. So the first Kriyas Yamsuf they had without eating Matzah for six days, because they can eat Chomets. The Isr Chomets, the first year of Pesach, was only Yom Echot. For generations, Moshe says it's for seven days. But then it was Yom Echot. So the first Yom Ashri didn't come from Sheish Yom Techel Matzah. So we have a problem. Because he says, So first of all, why is it that for generations we have to eat matzah for seven days? Where my Yitzhiya Shemitzrayim, they only ate for one day. Number one. Number two, Vigam, the Dafkai, they should share Yom Techel Matzah, I dezu shayuchlu lava liyus, but Yemashvi yatzeres. Second question is, today it's only through six days eating matzah that you could reach the Bayemashvi. When the first time, when the action actually happened, you didn't need the six day of matzahs in order to reach the Bayemashvi yatzeres. On the contrary, the Bayemashvi came without without that preparation. So there's two questions. First of all, why Bechlal for generations do we need those extra six days of not eating chametz and eating matzah when the first time around that didn't apply? And number two, by Yom Shvi today, we say is dependent on the Sheishis and Teichel Matzahs when then they actually, they actually did, not, did not have it. The Giluyim of the seventh day, the first time, were not Toloi in Achilles Matzah Sheishis Yomim. And today is basically a repeat of that experience as discussed yesterday, the concept of Vayom And nonetheless, it has a whole different dynamic. By the seventh day of Pesach, the Lashon is Atzeres Lashem Alekecha. When it comes to Sukkot, Shmini Atzeres Atzeres Tiyo Lechem. So Taka the Gemarim Psachim brings the famous Machlaikas that Rebbe Lezer says that Yom Tov could be either Kulay Lashem 
or Kulay Lachem, and Rabbi Yeshua says Chetzi Lachem and Chetzi Lachem, and basically they deal with this theory, because one Pasuk says Atzeres Lachem Alekecha, and one Pasuk says Atzeres... So that's what Yeshua says. It'd be chetzi, you have to split it up. Chetzi Lashem and Chetzi Lachem. But nonetheless, the point of the, the Alter Rebbe knew the Gemara, obviously. The point is the fact that Shvi Shal Pesach could have been the other way. The fact that Shvi Shal Pesach, the Torah chooses to emphasize the element of Hashem. And Shmini Atzeris, to emphasize the element of you, that itself is significant why the Torah chose it in that way. In order to understand all of these questions, and in summation, what were the questions? Question number one was, why it says Sheshis Yomim and not Shivas Yomim? And the answer is, because he's not talking about Matzah here, he's talking about Yom HaShvi. So the question is, why is it that the Sheshis Yomim become an introduction for Yom HaShvi, that only through eating Matzah for six days can you have Yom HaShvi? What's the connection? That through Sheshis Yomim you can have Yom HaShvi, number one. Number two... The first time around, you had the Shvi without Sheshus Yomim. Number three, Bechlau, why is it that for generations the mitzvah changed different than it was the first time? And number four, why here it's Atzeres Lashem Alekechem, Shmini Atzeres Atzeres Tiyelechem. In order to understand this, he starts discussing the concept of Matzah. He changes the subject. Gam Oven, we have to understand something else. The Pasuk tells us in Parshas Boy that they baked the dough that they took out of Mitzrayim as matzah because it never leavened, because they were expelled from Egypt and they didn't have time to wait and allow the dough to rise. The mashma, it seems from this Pasuk, It seems like this is a reason. Why did the Jews bake matzah when they left Mitzrayim, when they wanted to eat? Because they couldn't bake chametz, because they didn't have time, because they were expelled from Mitzrayim, and they didn't have time. They, they mixed the, the, the flour and the water they needed. The dough, they didn't have time to wait, so therefore they rushed down and they just baked it fast. This is very strange, because they were already forbidden to eat chametz at least one day. Already two weeks earlier, in Parshas Boy, Hashem tells Moshe that the first day of Pesach, the day of Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, they're not allowed to eat chametz. So let's say they weren't expelled from Mitzrayim. Let's say the Mitzrayim could say you could sit around for another five hours. They still wouldn't be able to bake chametz because there was an isser. It sounds like the reason they ate matzah, they didn't have a choice because they couldn't bake chametz because they were rushed out of Mitzrayim. There was an isser that was already given two weeks before that that day, at least the first day of Pesach, they shouldn't eat chametz. That's why they couldn't eat. That's what he says. They couldn't bake it. It sounds like you need a reason that they were expelled. That's number one. This brings to a second question. We say in the Haggadah, You remember? I don't understand. Two weeks before Pesach, Hashem gave Moshe and Aaron commandments to bring a sheep, to offer a carbon Pesach, to put blood on the door, to eat it that night roasted. Already before everything. Comes the Bagad and says, you know why we're eating matzah? The answer is because God said already two weeks before the first Pesach that you eat matzah tonight together with Mara. No, it's not the reason. The reason is because they tried making chametz. 
and the dough didn't have time to rise till Hashem revealed Himself and He liberated them. Belavachi, without that, was Taka Hashem revealed Himself, He liberated them. Belavachi, they couldn't, they couldn't uh, bake chametz that night and eat chametz because Hashem said, This is not only a question on what happened then, it's a question Ladoiris. The Haggadah says the reason we eat matz for generations on the night of Pesach is because they didn't have time for their dough to rise. They would have loved the dough to rise. But Hashem came and said, Chevre, we're going. But Lavachi, they were commanded to eat matz on the night of Tesvav, Nisan. And this was said before Yitzhiz Mitzrayim. V'oid, another question. The It says, and Hashem came, and he, he smit, he killed every pchoid, and he leaped over the Jewish homes. It says, he came, This was all The mitzvah to eat matzah and mar is before chatzos. How do I know? You're not allowed to eat the carbon Pesach. The carbon Pesach you eat till chatzos, before midnight. The matzah that we eat today is also before chatzos. Even the afikoyman you nizer to eat before chatzos because the carbon Pesach was eaten before chatzos. So it's a whole different matzah. So how do you say matzah zush on the oichlem is? Because their dough didn't rise till Hashem revealed Himself. The first thing is that's not the reason they ate matzah. The second thing is the timing is off. That happened after chatzos. They ate the matzah before chatzos. Because they ate the matzah with the carbon Pesach. The carbon Pesach they ate before Chatzos. And the same as we do. We also eat the matzah. We eat the Seder before Chatzos. So the reason we're eating matzah is because there's a mitzvah that on the night of Pesach you eat matzah. A second thing happened. And that is they may have been rushed out. That's his shyness. So the Baltani is going to begin to explain that the matzahs that the Jews ate that night before Chatzos and the matzahs that they ate when they left Mitzrayim are two different types of matzahs. A tale of two matzahs. They may look the same, but they're different types of matzahs. Spiritually, it's different types of matzahs. There's the matzah they ate before chatzahs because they were told to eat matzah. And then there's a different type of matzah that they ate because they were rushed out of Mitzrayim. And they didn't have time to wait. And therefore they rushed out and they had to bake the dough right away. That's a second matzah. One is before chatzahs, one is after chatzahs. It's two types of matzahs. Not physically, but it's two concepts in matzah. It's two separate concepts. The Indian is... And here, fascinatingly, before he even gets into his old... This was how we, how we learned. He shows in the Psukim already, you could see a slight variation which gives you a hint to the difference. When it says in Parshas boy, at night you should eat matzahs, ksiv matzahs chaser vav. It says matzahs Without a vav. Be'erif toich l'matzas and parashas boy mem tzadik sof. Ve'gabe vayoifu. When it says vayoifu es habotzik asher etziyum emitzrayim ugois matzas kiloi chametz ksiv matzas molly bevav. The matzas they were told to eat at night is without a vav. The matzas that they baked because they were rushed out of Mitzrayim there it says matzas with a vav in the same parash. Vahainu. That means there's two matzas. There's matzas without a vav. There's matzas with a vav. Now, usually when we see this in a Sefer Torah, matzahs with the vav, without a vav, okay, man. that's how it works, you know, sometimes it's chaser, sometimes it's mole, sometimes yad. that's how it is, sometimes it's written this way, it says, no, it's two types of matzahs. Ki avav, when you look at a vav, 
The Vav is the letter in the alphabet which represents Zeu Hamshacha. Vav represents a flow from a higher place to a lower place. It's a kav, it's a line that descends Melmaila from a higher place, Lamata, to a lower place. Each letter of the Aleph Beis, one of the Yisaitis in this there is that every letter of the Aleph Beis is not just a letter. It's not just a simon like A, B, C, D, or 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Every letter of the Aleph Beis actually carries within it a particular energy. And the shape of the letter represents the energy that the letter carries. When we say, And Adam Arishan gave everything a name, it's not, a, it's not an insignificant thing. The name is consistent with the nature of the reality that carries that name. Mayim has to do with the type of molecules that make water. And Aish has to do with the type of atoms that create fire. And Shoir has to do with the DNA that creates an ox. And Kelev is the DNA that creates a dog, etc. So the name is connected to the chemistry of something. And that name is made up of letters. And each letter has a number, and each letter has a shape, and each letter has a meaning. Bayes means a house, bias. Gimel, gmoil, give. Every letter has an, a meaning, has an energy, has a shape, has a number. And the shape is connected to it. So when you say a vav, he says, the tsura of the vav is significant. Zel ha'amshacha. The vav represents a ha'amshacha, a flow. In our case, what does this mean? Shenigla aleyah a vav would mean there's like a flow. You open yourself up to a flow, a line. A flow of energy that comes in that Hashem revealed Himself. So there were two types of matzah. Ha'alif is mashat kasev be'erif toich l'matzahs. She matzah de'kaidem chatzahs ve'imatzahs chasevav. The first is be'erif toich l'matzahs. At night you eat matzah. This is the matzah before chatzahs and it's missing a vav. Because this matzah still lacked the flow that the Vav represents, because it was before Nigla Aleyah Melech Malchem Lachem HaKadosh Baruch Hu Galm. V'habeiz, Mashakasav, the Pesach says, V'yoifu, es habatzek asher etziyu memetzayim, ugois matzois, ki loi chametz, ki gurshu, v'hu amatzah she'acher chatzois, v'hu mali bevav, da'inu acher she'nigla Aleyah. This was a different type of matzah. And he says, Al-Kain Omar Bahagod, that's why we say in the Hagod, this matzah that we eat, why is it? Why is it with a question and an answer? Because there's a chiddush here. We're saying that the matzah we eat before chatzos is not just the type of matzah that they ate before chatzos, which is the matzah without a vav. Without a vav, the matzah that we eat is already connected to the second type of matzah that they ate after chatzos because they didn't have time for the dough to rise. Forget about the fact that Hashem told them to eat matzah. That was the first matzah. But then there was a second type of matzah that they couldn't. In other words, the first matzah, it's a different type. The first matzah could have become chametz. Just Hashem said, don't let it become chametz. It didn't become chametz. The second type of matzah, it couldn't become chametz. And as we're going to see, that's the main key. That there's two stages in the Avoida of a person. There's the stage in Avoida where you could become Chametz. It's just you're loyal to the commandment and therefore you don't become Chametz. And then there's a second stage in the Avoida where you can't. 
there's no possibility to become chametz because of the tremendous gilui milmaila, the nigla lemalach So lahispik, you can't become chametz. It's a whole different, it's a whole different type of matzah. It's a whole different madrega and avodas Hashem that they only experienced after chatzais. So there were two different matzahs. And that's what we say in the Haggadah Chiddush. Matzah Zushan, this matzah that we're eating now by the Seder, which you would think is only a replica or a commemoration of that first concept of matzah, that the Rebbeinu Shalolam commanded us to eat matzah on the night of Pesach, Be'erif Teichel Matzahs, so we say no. It's also connected to the fact the matzah of after Chatzos. That's what he's mechadish. That this matzah has within it something of the godly energy that existed in the matzah that the Jews ate after they left Mitzrayim. Not the matzah that they ate in their homes the night before, before they left Mitzrayim. The matzah with the vav. V'hainu. How does the Baal HaGodah know this, Takah? He says, I'll tell you why. Midiksiv. Because when it comes to the commandment to eat matzahs for generations, it says in Parshish Re'eh, Sheishis yomim toichel matzois, Bevav. It says six days you should eat matzah and dafka with a vav. When it speaks about the matzahs we eat for generations on the night of Pesach, the Lashon is matzahs with a vav. Our matzah that we're already eating is with a vav. That's his raya, that matzah zushan oichlim is from the second matzah also. But when the matzah zushan oichlim, you're saying the matzah you're eating before Yeah. So how is that a raya? From the, he's bringing raya from the matzahs that we're eating after Chatzos. No, no, the first night. Sheishes Yom is the whole, the first six days of Pesach. Even before Chatzos. So even the first day of Pesach, you're already eating matzahs that have a vav, yeah. That's why the Baal Haggadah says this. Once we understand this, we can understand why through this. There could be by Because since the matzahs that we eat for the six days of Pesach, have within it the kapteqayach of the nigla leh malach malcham lacham akadish baruch the matzah filled with vav. This is the catalyst, this is the springboard, this is the foundation to be able to have shri shal pesach, which is a teres lashem alukecha. That's why the Pasik says sheishes some techal matzah subayam ashri yatzeret. It's only through this types of matzah, this type of matzah that we eat for six days that we can have the experience of a teres lashem This is the hakdama, so to speak, setting up the the building blocks or the puzzle, in order to be able to understand what he's going to start being masber now in uh, in Siv Beis in 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 in, 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 uh, in Perik Beis of this mime of Sheishes Yamim, what is this concept of the two matzahs? What's the difference between the two matzahs? Which he's going to get into the bchalal what the whole concept of matzah is, as we will emerge Hashem continue, believe neither tomorrow morning. Yeah. It's just Excellent question. Excellent question. But that's not a question about Atanya. That's a question on the Haggadah. What's the question? He said, Al Matzah Sumerim Yechlu. That's a Shaila, huh? Which is put to the puzzle. He's asking a good question. He's saying he wasn't precise. That's not a Shaila on him, it's a Shaila on the Baal Haggadah who tells Kain Asahilo. And that's a good Shaila why he did it. Right, he talks about that so there's a beautiful part from the Belzerov. 
Rebaran Belzer said, why is it? He says, because the Bala God, uh, he says, was a Avadamayid, and people are eating by the Seder, they're sitting by the Seder, they're eating Kairach, and the main thing of the sandwich is missing, the lamb chops. It used to be a Geshmaka sandwich, Kairach. It was a Geshmaka sandwich today, we're left with lettuce and matzah. The main thing they didn't put in, the main thing. So a Yid is sitting, saying, Kena, Sehillab is Manchabe, Samik to Shayakayim, fine, very nice. Ichzitz dough with lettuce and matzah. Says, no, 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 wait. Shenemar, al matzah It could be just in a month you'll have Pesach Sheni. <laughs> Already by the Seder, he wanted to say, like Sheibana Beis Hamikdash, like Sheibana Beis Hamikdash, they'll be able to bring a Pesach Sheni, so maybe you'll have, you'll be able to do. In other words, even in this Seder, he wanted to mention that uh, that opportunity. Why he's medayik to bring it? But because the Hagod. But it's not a shayla on the Hagod, why he brings it. The Mefarshim Mutchazich. So the Pesach is precise. No, yeah, no, yeah, no, he was precise. That way, but here he's keeping auto over the first night mitzvah. The first night mitzvah, he's quoting on Matzah Simeon. That God the quotes. He's paying for that God. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm saying. Cain also Hillel, but Matzah Beis Hamikdash not Pesach Shein. He Pesach Rish. On the earlier part, the God that says Matzah Rish on the No, fine. He's asking when he brought the pasuk al matzah semeroyim yechlu. He brought the pasuk from Pesach Shein, not from Pesach Rish. So I just said that the God says the same thing. When the Haggadah says that Hillel ate everything together, it brings that posseh, which is a Shiloh why? It's a great yeah. Shiloh. Thank you very much. It says the Shiloh Meshav was asked that you don't have to, there's a Shiloh if Mashiach comes between Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni, if uh, there's going to be a Pesach Sheni, because there was no Chi of Pesach Rish. The reason it's in Parshas Tzav is because very often Pesach coincides with Parshas Tzav. Um, depends on the on the on the year. This year is an Ibiyar, so so Pesach is much. Uh, we had an extra four month, four weeks of reading the Torah, so Pesach ersht, uh, we're dealing with Parshas Mitzrayach Remois. But in a regular year, Shanab Shuta, you have four weeks. You're four weeks behind, so Pesach usually comes out at the time of Parshas Tzav. But this seems to be a Parsha directed Sefer, no? It's a Parsha directed Sefer, but the Tzamech Tzadik who compiled the discourses of his grandfather into the Sefer, so he put the Maimarim of Hanukkah in Parshas Miketz. When it came out. Yeah, and the Maimarim of Pesach in Parshas Tzav. Sheishas Yom Teichel Matzus. No, 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 not at all. Not at all, no. Parshas Re'e. Parshas Re'e, yeah, Deuteronomy, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he asked all of his questions. The Balatanya asked all of his questions, and uh, his uh, his uh, it's Chazer, I'm just saying it. everything is kedaita Chazer. When we learn things once, we think we know them, but uh, it leaves our minds very fast. When you review it again. It challenges you to see if you understood, and you internalize it. It's, I think, much more powerful. Olahavin kolza. So, let's give a very t- 
tiny kitzer of what we learned. The kitzer of Perik Aleph was, it seems from the Pasuk, Sheshis Yomim, Toichel Matzus, Ubayim HaShvi'i Yatzeres, that Shvi'i Shal Pesach is dependent on Achilles Matzus six days. But why? Number one. Number two. The first time when Kriyas Yamsuf happened, they did not eat matzah for six days, only one day. So that's very strange. Number three, by, by Shvi Shal Pesach it says, Atzeres Lashem Alekecha. By Shmini Atzeres it says, Tia Lachem. A very different expression. Then he asked a few questions about matzah. It says in the Pasuk, the Jews ate matzahs when they came out of Mitzrayim. Why? Because they were in a rush. They didn't have time to let the dough inflate. The question is, that's not the reason. They were forbidden to eat chametz regardless. Let's say if they would have had plenty of time in Egypt, they were not allowed to eat chametz. Now, next, in the Haggadah we say, matzah zushan oichlam al shumah, al shum hispik because Hashem revealed Himself and extricated them from Egypt and their dough did not have a chance to rise. That's not the reason. They were anyway obligated to eat matzah by the Seder. By the, they made a Seder that night in Pesach. Furthermore, this event of Nigla Aleim happens on the day of Tesvav when they leave Egypt, certainly after midnight. We eat matzah and they ate matzah before Chatzos. Before Nigla Aleim, we're not eating this matzah because Nigla Aleim, Nigla Aleim happened after Chatzos. On this he says that there's two types of matzahs. There's two types of matzahs they ate at the first Pesach. The matzahs they ate before Chatzos, that's matzahs without a vav. The Erev Teichel matzahs. Vav represents the flow and the revelation of the Shekhinah. This was before the Vav. And then there's the matzahs they eat after the Vav, after Nigla Aleim. The matzahs that we eat before Chatzoy, says the Haggadah, is the same like the matzahs that they ate when they left Mitzrayim after Chatzoy. That's the Chiddush of the Baal Haggadah. Lohavin calls that to understand all of this. To understand all of this, for this we have to introduce a new concept. The Pasuk says, A person does not live on bread alone, and the end of the Pasuk is what? You remember? Man doesn't live on bread alone. Man lives on Hashem, on that which comes out of Hashem's mouth. That's what man lives. What does this Pasuk mean? What does this Pasuk mean? And why is he even introducing all of this? He's now changing the subject completely and he's discussing why is it that we need food, if you ever wondered. Why is it the Rebbeinu Shalom there's no survival without eating and drinking and that's a major part of people's life. And it's a major part of the economy. Is fueled from the need for food and everything that comes with it. What's the connection? We might say, when we spoke about the, revel- the matzah that came after God revealed himself, we might say that, that that's con- not, not connected to the physical matzah. The physical matzah that they ate before chatzos and after chatzos was the same matzah. When you say it's a different type of matzah, it means symbolic. The matzah is not different. Hashem said we should eat matzah because they ate matzah then. What he's going to explain here is that we have to understand what food really is. And when you understand what food really is, then you'll understand when you speak about the two types of matzah, it has to do with the matzah itself, the actual matzah itself. 
So what the Pasuk is saying is, the Bazem et Turet, what does it mean, loyal alechem levadik al moitzah pi Hashem? Yeah, I mean, Hashem made that alechem should, 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 should nourish us. The Bazem et Turet, really, the Pasuk is trying to answer a question. Eich yesh bekoyach ha-maycha lahachi How can food give life to man? In the hierarchy of creation, the human being is the medaber. Then you have the chai, the animal. Then you have the tzemeach, the produce, the, the world of botany, everything that grows. And then you have the doimim, the lifeless, stones, rocks, earth, and so forth. How is it that the system of creation the human being is completely dependent on the tzemeach. And without the tzemeach, the bread, the grain, or whatever it is that you're eating, the vegetables, the fruits, it's impossible to survive. This is what's bothering the Pasek. How can you say that a meichel, a food, has this power to really give life to a person? Our whole life depends on it. When our whole life is completely transcendent of the life of the animal or of the life of the tzemeach. They're so inferior to the life form of the person. And yet, it's precisely that fruit. Imagine you'll take a person and say, we're going to attach you here to the earth and you'll stay here your whole life and we'll give you all the food and oxygen you need. It would be the greatest death sentence for a person. Why? For a fruit, that's its greatest hope, that it remains attached to the tree. If you cut the fruit off the tree, it's dead. What is death for a fruit is life for a person. What is life for a person, the ability to move around, to be free, is death for a vegetable, for produce. So the whole form of life is so much more diminished, so much smaller, so much more restricted, without the intelligence, without everything that human life comes with. And yet, our life is dependent on the nutrients that exist in those foods. So this is the way Hashem created the world. What's the meaning of this? So you could say, stop asking questions. This is how God wanted it. Okay, shine. And I guess that's, that's a legitimate answer. Certainly it's the answer we get in yeshiva. <laughs> He's not asking about the animals eating so many holes so the animals are hiding. So that's going to become part of it. Yeah. On this, the Pasuk says, It's not the Lechem alone. It's not the Lechem alone that gives life to man. It's the In the bread, there is the Moitza, the energy that comes out, so to speak, of the mouth of God in the bread. That's what you live from. It's not how people learn the Pasuk, you don't live off bread, you live off God. No, 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 you live off bread. What are you living off in the bread? You're living off in the bread, the Moitzah Hashem. It's not two divorced realities. What does this mean, Moitzah Hashem? The Hashem is, Hainu, Maimim, Maimer, Tachaya, or it's Desha. When the Rebbein Shalom creates produce on Thursday, on Tuesday, he says, Let the earth uh, sprout forth. <clears throat> All vegetation, right? Asev, Maziria, Zera, Eitz, Pri, Oise, Pri, Leminoi. All the whole universe, the whole world of botany. God said, let it be. This means, There's another Lakota Torah. The Arizal also has a Lakota Torah. Well, before, the first Lakota Torah is from the Arizal on the Parshish. And Reb Chaim Vital wrote it. 
So the Rizal says in the Kodotoyda Parsha Seikiv, Ki oisoi dvar Hashem nichnas bo oisoi amozen, vu zonu mechai yesod. The dvar Hashem of Tuesday, the first Tuesday, vayemer lekim tache yoritz dashem. That's the energy that infuses all produce. And that's what gives life to the person. In other words, the physical grain, or the physical apple, or cherry, or kiwi, or watermelon, or whatever it is, is a husk for the spiritual energy, this godly energy in every piece of food. And you do know the divine energy, it's very interesting. Where do you see this practically? You see it scientifically. The nutrient, bene- the, 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 the health benefits of a food is directly proportionate with how natural it is, with how organic it is. When we eat cookies, how much of it is the way God created it? It's different than when you're eating lettuce or cucumbers, Right? Why? What's the difference? Why potato chips are so less healthier than cucumbers? Why does everybody love potato chips, not cucumbers? Because actually what's giving life is what? Is the Dvar Hashem in the food. Now cookies also has Dvar Hashem, but it's very, very, it's much more compromised form than the original energy. So that's why it's always proportionate. You're getting life not from the physical itself. You're getting life from the divine energy that's infusing the physical fruit or vegetable or whatever it is, grain, with spiritual energy. That is of shatnas, the Ramban, the Luminoi, Luminoi, to maintain the integrity of every species. The energy in plant foods, the calories that you get from plants, actually come from the sun, from photosynthesis. Yeah. The sun energy, which is calories, which is heat, is converted into energy in the form. In right. The form. That's energy mamish coming from. Yeah. But that's the, still the sun, yeah. that itself. Yeah. And the sun goofers from the Asarim Amaris. The sun goof is a Sodom Amaris. The Ed Zol Sprotzen Gewuchs. Gewichs. Now you understand, right? Okay. Brings back memories. Chas Vashalom. Don't just look at the piece of bread as a with eggs and sugar and honey and yeast and oil and everything else they put into challah. So we see it's a very interesting thing that the energy, the life force comes from the moitza pi Hashem that exists in it. This doesn't answer the question. A human being doesn't have the Dvar Hashem in him. The same story of Shejin's Mebereshis. The human body also has Hashem's energy. So you're telling me I need to have the Moitzapi Hashem in the bread. What's wrong with the Moitzapi Hashem in me? Why can't that give me life? Why is the energy that Hashem puts in to create and sustain grain or produce or plants? More powerful than the energy he put in creating me and every human being. The same Maiseberatius. This means that the Moitzapi Hashem in Lechem is a different type of Moitzapi Hashem in the person. This doesn't get answered by the Arizal. In order to understand this, he introduces a new Indian. Based on what's explained in various places, the Pchin is Datsach. You know what Datsach is? Doimim. Okay, there's now going to be. 
exciting Kabbalistic language. Let's read, then we'll explain. The Pchin is Daimon Tzamechai. I'm just telling you, it's going to get very complicated here. Sharshinu Mepchines Olam Hatayu Shetkadam Lepchines Olam Hatikon. The Shairish of Daimon Tzamechai comes from a world called Olam Hatayu, the world of chaos, which preceded the world of Tikon, the world of correction, of healing. Ela Sheneshtalshalu Beribu Hamadregis. It's just that they evolved through many levels. Nishtalshalu means evolved, evolution. Not to confuse with Darwin's evolution from the physical to the physical, from the ape to the homo sapiens, but Hasidic evolution is from the spiritual to the physical, from the abstract to the concrete, from heaven to earth. Nishtalshalu, the word shalshelis, like a chain, a chain reaction. Biribuy hamadregus, validei shviris hakelim. And there was a breaking of the vessels until this world came down, the energy of this world came down very, very low. And from them were created physical things, and that is where the human being, in contrast, comes from Oilam Hatikun. Sounds very much like the Big Bang. Yes. Yes. It does, yeah. And it may even be connected. It's hard to know, but it may even be connected. Now, the Big Bang is a mamash, a recent... Uh, the Big Bang is not an old discovery, right? It's what... Uh, Early 1900s. 1930s, I think, right? We have a, a scientist, a, a, cosm- a cosmology expert, the Mordechai. Okay. I think the 1930s or so? I'm not sure. What are we, what are we learning here? We're introduced to a concept that uh, the Arizal actually teaches, known as Olam HaToyu versus Olam HaTikun. Let me explain this, because this is going to be the foundational idea that's going to be conveyed here. The Torah describes the creation, That's how the story of Genesis begins. Kabbalah says that what these psukim are indicating, in addition to the pshat, of course, is that before our world was created, there were other worlds created, spiritual worlds that precede our world. When I say precede, I don't mean in time. Precede, I mean in concept, parallel universes. Those are well known as the four worlds, Atzilus, Embriya, Yitzir, Asiya. They're called Seder Hishtalshalus, because it's like an evolutionary chain where one world evolves from the other. Now, here is an important idea. Whenever we say after, this came after this, we don't mean time. We mean in concept. For example, 1 plus 1 equals 2. 2 minus 1 equals 1. The idea that 2 minus 1 equals 1 comes after the idea that 1 plus 1 equals 2. Because if we don't have the idea that 1 plus 1 equals 2, we cannot have the concept that 2 minus 1 equals 1. I first have to understand that 2 is from two ones, And therefore, if you take off 1, you'll have 1. Obvious. So now I ask you a question. When I said that 2 minus 1 equals 1 comes after 1 plus 1 equals 2, does it mean in time? Is there ever a time that 1 plus 1 equals 2 and 2 minus 1 doesn't equal one? No, of course, they're simultaneous. When I say after, it means it's a, it's, it's a child in concept. The second is an idea that comes from the first. It doesn't mean comes, it happened a year later, a day later, a week later. You're not dealing with spatial things, and you're not dealing with things that exist in time. You're dealing with ideas. 
If it's true, it was always true. So why do we say after? After means it's a result. It's based on the first axiom. You understand this? When we say a world comes after a world, it doesn't mean after this was yesterday and this is today. This happened last year, this happened this year. Whenever after means after in concept. This emerges from this. After this, based on this, you'll now have this, even though they're simultaneous. So when we speak about one world coming from another world, after another world, doesn't mean in time. They all exist simultaneous. Comes the Arizal and says that this is only one part of the equation. It's called Olam HaTikur. To put it, you know, for, for a very long time, we only knew about our, our galaxy, right? Our galaxy. We didn't know that out there, there's a whole other... <laughs> Is how many galaxies are there? Quintillion, probably. 900 billion galaxies. Completely not connected. It's a whole different world. In many ways, the Kabbalah spoke about our planet, our cosmos, our universe, and then parallel spiritual universes. The reason says that's only one... Uh, that's only one... What's the word for it in cosmology? Uh, uh, one... Uh, huh? It's one, one part of the picture. Huh? <laughs> that too. One part of the picture. There's a whole other universe called Olam HaToyu. Olam HaToyu means the world of chaos. And the world of chaos is a whole different Olam. That's Vaharetz HaToyu. And over there there was absolute chaos and Chorben. And it's known as Shviris HaKelem. The breaking of the vessels. What does this mean? Bekitz and Nimritz. One of the Yisoydis in Hasidus and Kabbalah is that everything in the world is a marriage of two forces. Oir and Keli. Light and vessel. Energy, container. Vision and implementation. Practically, you want to start a business. You have a vision. That's called the light of it, the energy of it. You're excited, you're passionate. You're going to take over the world. You're going to become a millionaire. You're going to impact people. Whatever your vision is, whether it's healthy or unhealthy, I'm not talking about that, whether it's practical or impractical, but that's the light. What's the keli? The keli is very different. The keli is the structures you have to create in order to contain the light. You need investors. (laughs) You need money. You need help. You need a building. You need negotiations. You have your overhead costs. What happens often when we start creating the kalim for the oil? So one of two things happen. Either you realize that this is not going anywhere because vision itself is very nice, but once you have to have structure, it's a whole different story. Or what happens is you create the structure, but you lose a little bit of the original oil because most people you get caught up and overwhelmed with the kalim. In marriage, right? You have the oil, the keli. The oil is the energy of the marriage, the love, the passion, the excitement. What's the keli? The keli is taking out the garbage in the morning. The keli is running a family. The keli is cleaning the house. And most marriages, you get stuck and consumed in the keli. There's no time anymore for the oil. You want to write a book. You have great ideas. Now sit down by your computer and start typing. It's not so simple. You have to write and edit and edit again and edit again and then a publish. It's a whole process. There's, mu- there's the musical notes, if you read music, there's musical notes, and there's the music. The music is the oir, the notes are the kalim. Kalim are brutal. They limit, they structure, in many ways they destroy passion. Writers despise their editors, because the editors cut articles right, left, and center. 
the writer is expressing himself, and then the editor says, too long, too confusing, too deep, chop, 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 he says, you destroyed. In Yiddish is an expression, Schreiber starben ist von Herzfällen, they starben von Druckfällen. Writers don't die from heart failure, they die from uh, print failure, meaning from the mistakes, from the edits, drives them more crazy. But Hashem made the world that if there's no marriage between Ur and Kaili, it doesn't happen. Guy wants to open a yeshiva, wants to open a shul, wants to open an organization, wants to open a movement, wants to open a website. It's all about passion and idealism. That's the Ur. But now you have the Kaili. You have a building, you have Bachrim, you have food, you have a cook, you have a dormitory. And this gets so overwhelming that very often the whole passion goes crazy. It, it, it gets lost. Now, According to Kabbalah and Chassidus, the synchronization between Ur and Kali is a very complicated one. Because the two compete with each other. But everything is a marriage between the two. This is the difference between Toyhu and Tikkun. Uh, because Ur is all about expression, expansiveness. And Kali is, whoa, 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 wait, this is seven ounces. Can you get it into seven ounces? They say a Maisa, there was a Rav who loved giving sermons on Shabbos. He did long sermons. One of his Balabatim comes over Sunday and says, Rabbi, your sermons are unbelievable. Unbelievable. They have to be on CNN Sunday morning. God gets excited. He says, and I'll pay for it, no problem. Wow, wow, wow. So we're going to record it in the middle of the week, sure. He says, the problem is that CNN, you can't speak for an hour and a half. It doesn't work that way. We could do 10 minutes. You think you could cut down your speech in 10 minutes? He says, impossible. He says, okay, then it's over. You know what? I'll cut it in 10 minutes. Comes back to me, says, I spoke to them. They only have three minutes. You think you could cut it into three minutes? Uh, with mysterious nefesh, I'll put it into three minutes. He comes back, he says, they only have 60 seconds. You think you could give your message in 60 seconds? He says, with mysterious nefesh, I could. 60 seconds. So he looks at him and he says, so why are you speaking for an hour and a half every Shabbos if you could give your message in 60 seconds? You understand? Kalim is all about structure. It's always about structure, maintenance, stability. How is it going to happen? It's a whole different energy. Now, the two come from two sources, which we'll get into at another point, where they come from and why they come. But that's the structure, how we did it. In Toihu and Tikkun, you also have Oyer and Kalim. Now we speak about the spheroids, right? That Hashem identified within Himself ten characteristics, and those characteristics are the source of all creation. I don't know if anybody here says Pasach on Friday, if you have that minig. There's a minig by the Kabbalim, Svardim, some Chsidim, that Friday before Kabbalah Shabbos, and before Mincha, there's a whole section of Zoya, Pasach It's from Zoya. So the Lashon over there is that Hashem identified ten characteristics, ten spheres, with which to create and run the worlds. Those are known as Chachma, Bina, Das, Chesed, Gur, Teferis, Netzach, Chod, Malchus. Those are the building blocks of the universe. Important to understand. Building blocks of the universe. We speak in science in terms of atoms, in terms of molecules, and every atom itself has all of its particles, and that makes everything, whether it's a cup or an iPhone or a table or a book or a body, everything is made up. On a deeper spiritual level, it's all made up of basically ten building blocks. The ten building blocks are known as the ten spheres. The ten spheres have Oiris and Kalim. For example, Chesed. There's the Oir of Chesed, the Kali of Chesed. The Oir of Chesed is the energy of love. The Kali of Chesed is the vessel through which you're communicating it. 
Each one has oil and each one has keli. You may love somebody like crazy, but you don't know how to communicate it. You actually do things or say things, and it's opposite of what you intended. They take it wrong and so forth. In toyhu and tikkun, you have everything identical, one difference. In toyhu, the oiris were much greater than the kalim. In tikkun, the kalim are much broader than the oiris. The difference is, tikkun survived, and toyhu collapsed. In Tikkun, the light was diminished and the structure became the dominant force. That's Tikkun. In Toyu, the structure gave way to the, to the passion, to the, to, to, the, or to the energy. And therefore, every Kali crashed under the burden of the intensive, uninhibited energy. It couldn't contain it. It's too heavy. Take electricity. Electricity is the oil. The... the the wires are the receptacles of the yard. What happens if the voltage is too high? What happens to the wire? The Kali cannot contain it. So what happens? It, uh, it burns out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you have your short fuse, your short circuit, the whole thing. It, it crashes, so to speak, and it ultimately burns up. It burns out. It can get ruined forever. There's nothing you can do even to repair it. Why? Because if the Kali is suitable with the oil. On the contrary, the wires transmit. They become transmitters of the oil and they light up your whole house. They're beautiful. Without the keli, I have no access to electricity. How am I supposed to have electricity? It's intangible. It's aloof. It's sublime. I must have the receptacles. I need transmitters. I need wires, whatever it is, in order to get the electricity into my house. But what if the oil is bigger than the keli? It's wonderful, but there's nothing I can gain from it. So in Toyu, the iris were greater. In Tikkun, the Kalim were greater. Now, the Balatanya sees this as a major theme in, 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 in understanding the world. Because what this really means is that Toyhu is much holier than Tikkun. Because the energy is much higher. The tragedy is that there was a major crash. And all of the energy that was in the Kalim got scattered, so to speak, spiritually speaking, and fell down very, very low with the shattered, broken Caleb. Those lights are everywhere, and they're really higher than the lights of Tikkun, but they fell down much lower. And because they fell down much lower, there is the human being who now needs to extricate them and elevate them. And that is the drama of the two worlds of Toyo and Tikkun. Because when the Rebbeinu Shalolam builds Tikkun, he builds it on the debris of Toyo. He doesn't clean up Toyo. So our universe is a combination of both. So this is what he meant, that there was a Shvira Sakalim. So the, when, 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 the, when the world crashed, the Kalim broke. So all the light in these vessels now gets scattered they're all over the place. They fall down very low. Some of the light departs back to its source. And now what does it mean it falls down very low? It's all metaphoric. What it means falls down very low is, take, for example, the four letters Baruch, Beis, Reish, Vav, Chav. They make up the word blessing, Bracha, Baruch, blessed. Let's say you separate the letters, Beis, Reish, Vav, Chav. Now when I look at a Beis, what do I see? I just see a Beis. I don't see that it's part of Baruch. I look at a Reish, I don't see that it's part of Baruch. I see everything separate. I don't see any more in it that it's part of a larger picture. What happens by Toyu? When there was a crash and the Kalim shatter, so the Oedus scatter, what it really means is I look at energy and I don't see it for what it really is. I don't see it. We spoke a few days ago about Kriyas Yamsuf, about a symphony. 
right? About oneness. This dichotomy, we can't see anymore things for what they really are. They're really part of the light of the divine of Toyu. But when they fell and they got scattered, we mistake them for something else. They're still very powerful, but they don't have the keli to express themselves in. So they express themselves in strange ways without cohesiveness. They don't know who they are. We don't know who they are. It's like that base that's just floating around, and you don't really see that it's part of Baruch. Yeah. 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 Manifest itself. They don't have the tools for manifestation. Often it's a breakdown. A breakdown. Um, uh, what? Perhaps that's that's a good marshal. That's a good marshal. Well, the brain is usually uh, used as an allegory with. Electric, like you said, wiring, electricity, uh, energy. Right. So what's your point? No, uh, he, he was mentioning psychological issue comparison. So, so here's... Using, you were using electricity. No, no, okay, okay, very good. Magnetic... Metaphor, right. It's probably not a metaphor, it's the truth of it. So we have here the paradox. That which is really higher came down much, much lower. That's why it came down lower, because it was too high. It was too, it was too high for its kalem. So we could do two things. We can ignore it and write it off, or we could sublimate it. And as we will see, this is the secret of eating. The secret of eating is the place where this whole drama is manifested. We'll continue Mitzvah Hashem tomorrow. Tomorrow there's a shir. Kabbalah 101. Huh? Sorry, It's too much. It's too much. Greater oneness. Greater light. Sounds like a very similar... Yes, 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 yes. So in Eilam there was a Shvirus HaKelem. The Kelem crashed, so to speak. Now, of course, this wasn't a mistake. This was part of the plan. This was part of the design. In Tikkun, the Iris and the Kalim are perfectly matched. Their marriage is wonderful, harmonious. In Taihu, they're not matched. And the reason they're not matched is because the Ayur is higher than the Kali. It would be like the genius whose creativity is so overwhelming and he doesn't have the vessels to contain it. It would be like the electrical circuit that burns up the wires. It would be like the extremely uh, adventurous creative soul that is all out there and simply cannot be contained in a vessel and in a structure. What happens then is the keli crashes under the heavy burden and weight of the air, of the energy. Plus, the iris themselves could, so to speak, collide against each other because it's too much. Anything that comes in too much abundance 
ultimately cannot be sustained because you don't have the keli. So for example, let's say too much chesed, so you embrace your child, I love you, I love you, I love you, you choke him. I don't only mean physically, also spiritually, emotionally, you choke somebody. Too much gvura, too much discipline, too much strength. And again, it can be very, very destructive, it's too intense. Too much netzach, too much competitiveness. You never sleep, you never relax, you become like a bulldozer. Every midah, if it's infinite, ultimately it ends up destroying itself and destroying the vessels that were meant to contain it. Toyu was a much higher world than Tikkun, a much more idealistic world than Tikkun, a much more undiluted world, a much more extreme world. It's a world of extremes, and because it's a world of extremes, ultimately it breaks, it crashes. Just to give an example, the Balatanya writes in Torah Erva Yishlach that Esau came from Toyu, and Yaakov came from Tikkun. What that really means is something that's very daring. Namely, we look at Esav and Yaakov. Esav is the bad kid. He's the evil guy. He's the Russia. And Yaakov is the good guy. And it's very clear. Every child grows up. You know, there's a polarity. Yaakov is a tzaddik. Esav is the Russia. When you read Parshas Toldos, it's not the picture you get from Pshat, but Rashi and Chazal right away tell us, you know, he was a murderer. He was a sheifich damim. He was a rapist. He, was, he did everything wrong. In Chumash, he doesn't really do much wrong. He just is a hungry kid, and he wants to eat lentils. And, uh, and somebody says, if you want lentils, you have to sell me your house, your car, your private jet, and your birthright. And then I'll give you a soup of le- a, a bowl of lentils. So when you're dealing with pshat, it's like a little strange, Parshas told us. The only wrong thing that Esav does is he wants to kill his brother. Who doesn't? everybody wants to kill their brother if they feel that their brother usurped everything that belongs to them. He doesn't kill his brother. He wants to kill his brother, okay? Sean, you never want to kill your brother. It's very interesting. And Parashas told us Esau doesn't come across half as bad as we told he is. Now, why is that? If he was so bad. So the Balatanya's idea is very deep, and that is that Esau actually came from a higher place than Yaakov. He came from the world of Toyu, Yaakov came from the world of Tikkun. The tragedy with Toyo is that it went through a tremendous shvira. It went through a tremendous breakdown. And post-breakdown, you often don't recognize the original purity of the soul the way it exists in Toyo. So the energies in Toyo were very, very lofty, very holy, very sublime. But in the shvira sakelem, what happened was the lights were scattered and they crashed. And they were fragmented. And what does it mean they're fragmented? Spiritually speaking, we don't mean physically. Fragmented means it would be like a dream. Our dreams make sense, but they don't make sense. And therefore, they are a sign of the subconscious. This is an example that's given in, um, in Hasidus for, for Toyu. Dreams, it's very interesting. Dreams, you dream about paradoxes. Things don't make sense. But of course they make sense. They're reflecting certain deep truths that are happening within your system, but they're coming out in fragments, not cohesive, not organized. When you wake up, you usually don't have a dream. It's a clear message what the dream was saying because it's deep stuff going on, and they're scattered. So when you have, you have the, the genius who has the breakdown, he walks in the street and speaks. No two words make sense. 
No sentences are cohesive, but there's still fragments of brilliance and genius that emerge in the breakdown. That's the issue of toyu. So the iris of toyu fell down with the kalim, they're scattered. Now you have a lot of energy. Really they're divine, they're very holy. But they have been lost in translation. Their revealed holiness has been, uh, has been uh, eclipsed by the dramatic process, by what they have been through. And now when you look at the energy, it doesn't say anymore that I am divine. Because that's what scattered means. Baruch, Bez, that was the metaphor, Bez, Rej, Vav, Chav. When they're together, they make up the concept, blessing, Baruch. You take the Bez and the Rej separate, they're really part of Baruch, but I don't see it anymore. So when I encounter energy of Toyu, what I see is a lot of energy, a lot of power, a lot of force, but I may be looking at what appears to be brute, lowly, animalistic, even beastly, and really there's a secret, and the secret is, I come from Toyo. I'm really holier than you'll ever imagine. I'm really much deeper than you'll ever imagine, and I'm really much purer than you'll ever imagine. I just went through a trauma, and this is post-traumatic disorder. The concept of P... P... Uh, huh? Right? All the doctors speak up. So that concept, Kabbalistically, is very, very deep. It happens already in God's world. That's what Olam HaToyu is. And in the post, now, man was all sent... The all the kalim of All the kalim broke. Toyu did not tolerate kalim. Oyer does not tolerate kalim. It's like, you know... It had some sort of kalim. It had kalim, yeah, of course. It had ten spheres... Ten oiris, ten kalim, but the oiris were so huge, they were so big. That's why uh, Hasidus has a terminology of its own. There's really a diction, Hasidus really has, there's a Webster dictionary, there's really somebody should author um, what's called, <laughs> what's called the Hasidus dictionary. It's a very sophisticated terminology. For example, by Hasidim who were into these stuff, there's always an expression about people. This person, more oiris than kalim. It's a, it's a very deep way of saying something very profound. He has a lot of oid, he doesn't have kalim. He has only kalim, no oidus. Right? It's a very interesting interesting expression. It's a very deep expression. A lot of oid is a great thing. But without kalim, the oid dissipates. There's no maintenance. There's no stability. Because kalim are torturous. But they enforce stability. Why do I say they're torturous? Because they always limit they always put limits, and who likes limits? In many ways, if you want, just my own idea, when the Kala encircles the Chassan seven times around the Chuppah, she's really drawing an invisible wall around him. And basically what she's telling him is, you're not going to be a free bird anymore. If you come home after seven o'clock, I'm going to be texting you. When are you coming? When are you coming? When are you coming? The man naturally has this, uh, you know, this... This instinct, like a couple once came to see me. <laughs> it was a classic situation. She gets scared at home at night, and he stays, to, he likes to stay late at work. So, what was this time? I don't understand. She lived in her own apartment before we were married for 10 years. She was never scared at night. Suddenly, we get married, and now if I'm not home, she's scared. 
What happened? When she was a single girl, she wasn't scared at night. And now she became scared. She's older. She's more mature. What happened? <laughs> Go explain to him. It's not fear. It's just once she's married, it's a different situation. She feels, she feels alone at night. Because she's married. That's how it works. It was very hard for him to understand. So she puts, she creates, invis- she draws invisible seven walls around him. And for the rest of our life, we're busy protesting that circle that she makes in the chuppah. We're trying to, to get out of it. Because there is a torturous element in it. Let's face it. I, I never did the Sajjah for Rebrach's speech. I just thought of it. Uh, what, in the concept of Toyo and Tikkun. But I think it's a good idea. It's an interesting insight. It's called a chayma, yeah. An invisible wall. We're trying to do Yerichai. We're trying to sink the chaymas. And, and this. Generally, the, the, lie, the, the woman is a protector of the house, of the walls, of the chaymas. You know what I mean? She's not a chaymas. So, it's torturous. We don't like kalim. Oiris are very creative. They're very expressive. Some people love kalim. Some people abhor kalim. This was the tragedy of Tayo. Now, this tragedy was pre-designed. It wasn't a mistake. God made a mistake. So he designed it to be... He designed it to be destroyed. The yeah. The Balatanya even brings the concept in Hilcha Shabbos we have, Boina al-Manas Lister, Soiser al-Manas Livnes. The only way demolishing is Asr on Shabbos. Minatayda is if it's with a condition to rebuild. You're not just Makalkal. You're not just stop destroying a brick. You want to rebuild. You want to renovate. It's the beginning of renovation. So where does this begin? Toihu was built in order to get demolished and then it was demolished in order to get rebuilt by Tikkun but it's not enough to rebuild Tikkun what's necessary is to reconstruct Toihu the human soul comes from Tikkun the human soul encounters every day of its life shards, fragments of Toihu everywhere within itself within your system all chaos in your system, anytime your system is off balance, it's toyu. So instead of feeling guilty, instead of getting upset, instead of getting angry, instead of getting depressed, you have to realize this is where your deepest sparks lay. This is where your purest moments stay. It's just, it was lost in translation, it's not cohesive. So you have to put the puzzle back together. And when you create that puzzle together, you create the marriage between the iris of Toihu and the Kalim of Tikkun. That's what it is. You heard what I said? Yeah, so, so are you insinuating that Tikkun itself doesn't have its own iris? No, it has its own, but the iris are diminished, they're compromised, they're diluted. It's like wine that you dilute with water, it shouldn't be so sharp, so you should be able to drink it. You know the real spicy, the real spicy foods you can't eat, it's too spicy, it's too intense. So it needs, it needs the iris of... of it I must have tikkun to, to give it structure, to redeem it, to extricate it. What's the first example for this? The Balatanya says, all the doimim, all the food we encounter, the animal kingdom, the world of botany and the world of doimim, essentially these are all products of iris of Tayu. Why? Because what happens is, those were the last words he says, how can divine energy turn in to, right, a plant 
a bush, a rock, an animal, a rhinoceros, a hippopotamus, a mouse, or a weasel. Well, actually, I guess I should say kosher animals, a sheep or a goat. How does that happen? Divine energy converts into something physical. It's lost in translation, but it's all divine energy through the breakdown of toyu. The breakdown of toyu allowed the divine energy to descend very, very low and form into physical, create what we would call atoms, which would create molecules, which would bring together all of the physical uh, phenomena and reality that we encounter in our world. So the shayrish of the divine chiyus in all physical realities of doimem, tzemei comes from the world of toyu, which transcends the world of tikkun. However, it just had a downfall. It went through a transformation through what we call shviras hakelem. The human being is rooted in oilem hatikkun. That's where the human being is rooted. And this is the drama of life. The drama of life is making peace between toyu and tikkun. Now the message here is, extends into many areas of life. He was not afraid of chaos. We are afraid of the chaos in ourselves and the chaos of others. We're afraid to look at it. He says, don't be afraid of your chaos. Your chaos contains your secrets. Your typhus? I don't know about your chaos. You've got to know about your chaos. I know about my chaos. You've got to figure out yours. You have to have the courage to look at it. You have to have the courage to not be afraid of it. You have to have the courage to embrace it. And you have to have the courage to have compassion for it. It went through a lot of trauma. Shver Sakalim was a very traumatic experience. All breakdowns in the world are rooted in this breakdown. This is really the source of psychoanalysis on a spiritual level. All breakdowns are rooted in this breakdown. It's basically dissonance. It's called dissonance. You know what dissonance means? Um, like cognitive dissonance and uh? the opposite of harmonious. The opposite, right? There's a there's a lack of, of synchronization. And uh, isn't even the wildest of animals technically very much limited? Of course, everything in this world is limited. So he's back in his, in a real serious cave. Right, there are kalim in this world. There's not everything has a kali. The point is, you don't recognize in the animal the divine source, the holy energy in it, like in the soul, because it went through this breakdown, and therefore the iris of Tayu morphed into very different-looking creatures. In fact, the Balatanya writes, and this is one of the meditations in Birchus Krishna, we talk a lot about the Malachim. The whole first bracha is focused on the angels. Why is that so relevant? We talk a lot about them. Now, it's beautiful stuff we say about them. It's very nice words. If you ever concentrate, we speak about their idealism, their harmony, their, their grace, their enthusiasm, right? And how they have a... So it's part of the routine of davening. The Balatanya writes elsewhere that there's something very profound. Because in our soul, in our life itself, we have an animal soul and a godly soul. The animal soul comes from Toyu. The godly soul comes from Tikkun. That's like Yaakov and Esav. By davening, yeah, the animal soul comes from Toyu. It comes from a deeper place. That's the Pchin of Esav, who is the man of the field. He's the hunter. 
Yedayat Sayyid. He's the skilled hunter. Yaakov is the spiritualist. Yaakov is the tzaddik. So on one level, Yaakov is superior to Esav. On another level, Esav is superior to Yaakov. And that's why Yaakov is always looking for Esav. He's searching for Esav because you can't ignore your own Esav. It's the Esav in you. You can't ignore your own Esav. Esav has very deep sparks. Yaakov, of course, didn't want to ignore Yaakov, but he couldn't even ignore Esav. There was an attachment. They were twins. They're really twins. A twin is really, right? It's really the same, so to speak, the same... Uh, huh? The same conception, and then it splits. That's the point. Tayu and Tikkun really are one, but they split up. So, um, uh, They're fraternal twins. <laughs> right, very good. So... So he says as follows, how do you inspire your animal soul? How do you inspire your animal soul? That's, he says, that's Birchus Kriyashma. Why did the Chazal do this bracha before Kriyashma? The Rajba asks a very interesting question in Gemara, in Brachas. Every mitzvah is about the mitzvah. One exception. What? Birchus Kriyashma. Say, Baruch Hashem Alekeinu Melechai. Lomashayin or al No, what's Brichas Krishma? Again, Samaisa with angels. It says, because that's the preparation. The Brach is preparation for the mitzvah. The Brach is there to get you in the mood, to get you in the moment. How do you inspire your animal soul that God is one? So, what you tell your animal soul is fascinating. If I come to you and I tell you, you know, let me tell you about a great man who lived 2,000 years ago, his name was Rabbi Shimon Bar-Yechai, or Rabbi Akiva, or Rabbi Shmuel, or Rabbi Yechina ben Zakai. Okay, very nice. Let me tell you about a great man who lived 3,000 years ago, his name was Moshe Rabbeinu, Yeshua Binun, Shmuel Hanavi, David HaMelech. Wow. Let me tell you about Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Okay. What if I come to you and I say, I want to talk to you about the home in which you grew up. I'm going to tell you about your mother, about your father, about your brothers, about your sisters, about your Zayda, about your Baba, about you as a child. That's a whole different thing. You tell me about my father, my mother, you're talking about me, my grandfather, my Zayda, my Baba, my house, me, myself as a child, you're talking about me. You speak to me. You come to the animal soul and you say, God is one, God, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know, I don't know anything. You come to the Nefesh and say, we're going to talk about your Zayda. V'hoifanim, sakodesh, the holy animals. You really, in your source, we're screaming, Kaddish, Kaddish, Kaddish. You just went through a Shvira Sakelem. You went through the trauma of the breakdown, of the breaking of the vessels. So now, instead of screaming, Kaddish, 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 you're busy screaming, uh, cheesecake, 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 money, 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 covered, 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 uh, resentment, resent, whatever it is that you're screaming, that your animal is trying to survive. But really... You are as pure as you get. The angels are the grandfathers of the, of the Nefesh Bahamas. That's why they're called Bahamas. Chayos HaKodesh. Chayos HaKodesh means holy animals. Right? We sometimes call kids Chayos, right? Chayos, Bahamas, Chayos, animals. Those are Olam HaToyu creatures. And they come from the Chayos HaKodesh, who Biraj Godel. They have a tremendous passion. Biraj Godel, Misnasim, Lomas Hasrofim, Lomasim, Meshavchem, and you have exactly the same passion. You just don't know what to be passionate about. But your passion is a replica of their passion. 
their passion is just directed and harnessed in a different direction, but it's the same passion. So your tikkun is not to destroy passion, your tikkun is to align your passion, to sublimate your passion, to synchronize your passion with your own true passion. This is what, where you come from. So Birchus Krishna is the beginning of davening, it's allowing you to do a real Krishna that your animal soul should be able to appreciate it. Right. That fell down Lamata and Tayo. Right. It's the same passion. It's just distorted. It's distorted. So whenever you see misdirected passion, you can destroy it. But there's a much deeper way. Don't destroy it. Align it. Align it. Because by destroying it, what you're doing is you're destroying the greatest blessing of the person. You're, you're, kill, you're, you're throwing out the baby with the bathwater, you understand? It's easy to destroy passion. How do you explain Gimel Klippus? Gimel Klippus Well, the breakdown of Toyu happened on many levels. Yes, sometimes the chaos is on a level where I have to, where I have to disengage. That's true. But we're talking about physical items that we constantly engage the food that we eat, and so forth. So this, as we'll see, Amir Hashem next year, Monday, this is the, the beginning of the understanding of the secret of food. Why man must be sustained from food, even though we also have divine energy, because there's a divine energy in the grain, and in the animal, and in the fruits and the vegetables, that the human being doesn't have. And that, that, that's what sustains us. Shabbos HaGadol, we have 5.30 in the afternoon at Russia, besides the morning stuff. Um, the topic, the topic is going to be Shabbos HaGadol. You want to know what, what the topic is? I don't know. I had a few thoughts, but I'm not sure yet. What should the topic be? I don't know. What do you want to hear about? <laughs> I have an open mind. Okay. How is it that the... Uh, that's a wonderful question. That's a wonderful question. Ace of Ace of comes from Tayu, Yaakov comes from Tikkun. Right, it's, it's, in other words, it's hard to make just an absolute definition about, in other words, within the Jew you have Toyo and Tikkun, within the non-Jew you have Toyo and Tikkun. Often we associate Toyo with Esav and Yaakov with Tikkun, and there... The, uh? There is an element of the non-Jew that, uh, that Yaakov needs, that the Jew needs. Just like the animal. Here you're dealing with human beings. There is an element in Esav that gives his alos, it elevates Yaakov. It creates... You see, let's understand something. In Jewish history, because of anti-Semitism, so for Jews, I guess, to survive and maybe thrive, there have been put up walls, absolute walls between Jews and non-Jews, to the point that, you know, 
black and white. But the truth is much more subtle than that. We did it for practical reasons because many of them were just savages and we suffered terribly. And also for educational purposes, you know, there's the segregation. Hamavdil bin Yisrael Amen. Stamyenam, Stampitam, all the of Chazal. But in the, in the ideal world, we all know that it's much more subtle than that. We say every day in Aleinu, right? Yakiru v'yedu kol yoish v'seva l'sakana elav amalchus shindalad yud. The Rambam says, Apsakdin hilchis malachim, it's not known. But he says that the Jews got a commandment on Har Sinai to change the whole world and influence every single non-Jew living to observe the Shabbat Mitzvah B'nai Nayach. Now that's a very big statement. That means that an essential part of the Jewish mission is to change the whole world. Okay, this is not a Chabad invention. This is Rambam Hilchus Malachim uh, written. The Sepharno writes, V'atem tiyuli mamleches kayanim v'goy kadosh. What does it mean mamleches kayanim v'goy kadosh? He says that you should transform the whole planet, the whole world. So, Today, actually, we live in a world where actually this concept could even be discussed because there's so many relationships between Jews and non-Jews. Most Jews do business with non-Jews. Some Jews have very good, good, very close friends, non-Jews. Some of them very, very respectable. And I would say it's one of the challenges we have even in our education because many of us grew up with this idea, you know, the non-Jew is, is evil. It's not true. We know the truth that some of them you would trust faster than you would trust... I don't want to get into it, but you know that some of them you would trust faster than you would trust some other people, even people who may go to the mikveh every day. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a more sensitive topic. On the other hand, right, there are certain distinctions that can't be blurred in terms of intermarriage and so on and so forth. But Esau has things that Yaakov doesn't have. It doesn't take away from Yaakov. Let me put it differently. I once said in a lecture... When we say we're the chosen people, what does it really mean? It means we were chosen to teach everybody that they were chosen. We were chosen to teach everybody that they were chosen in their own way. Everybody was chosen. We were chosen to be those ambassadors. You said that you were chosen to be an example to be an example, and to show how everybody was chosen. Everyone has a value, an indispensable value. People think chosen people means you're good and everybody is bad. That's ridiculous. could be understood in a parochial way. I chose you, you're the good ones, and all the other apples are going to leave to decay and rot. But that's contrary to the whole essential idea of Judaism. It's like they have this group of people, 14 million people, and what's going to happen when Mashiach comes? They'll all convert and say, we want to eat the kugel that you eat. That's really what's going to happen? We want jalapeno herring? That's what we're looking forward to? So there, there is a lot of primitiveness that we have to graduate from. And uh, again, some of it is rooted in truth, but some of it is just rooted in primitiveness and conditioning that came over the ages. This is the short answer to your question. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I was really not going in that direction. I didn't think you were. <laughs> but I was going in that direction. But which direction were you going? Let's hear. At the actual source in the cosmos, beyond that, where is the Jew 
we believe the Jewish source essence is higher. So uh, you're saying if Toya was higher than Tikkun, so then the guy basically is higher than the Jew. And not only the guy, but the animals, the plants, the everything. It's a good question. The answer to that is, it's not for now, the answer to that is there's a source that's higher than Toya and Tikkun. That's what I want to know. Okay. But that needs a separate arichis. You know what Rashi says, why it's called Shabbos Agadol? He says the Rabbanim give long drushes and the Shabbos seems big and long to everybody. <laughs> that's what Rashi writes in the ten hundreds. It is a pretty late Shabbos. That's true, but that's every Shabbos is a late yeah, Shabbos for some. The Shabbos Hagadol, he says, well, when is the guy going to finish this? It's a long Shabbos. If you sleep, if you read, if you have fun, it's not a long Shabbos. <laughs> this class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.